If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Welcome back to another episode of The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. Some of you may know me as lead singer with UK thrash metal band Acid Rain. Others from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. You'll see my name is highlighted in the intro to this podcast. You can just tap on that and that will take you through to all the podcasts I do. But here, I am your host. I am your guide through the world of all things Motorhead. And this episode is no different. Of course, we've uh, very soon, we are about to see all of the special editions of No Sleep Till Hammersmith coming out very soon. It's the 40th anniversary edition. It is going to be insane. I've already got a CD box set. Sorry to tease you all, but I have, and it's gorgeous. And they're all being released in deluxe editions. There'll be a hardback book packs, which is the one I've got, which is two CD and triple LP format, plus a deluxe, get it, four CD box set featuring all three shows that made the record for No Sleep at Hammersmith and never before released in their entirety. Also, there's going to be um, uh, a story of the album, loads of unseen photos and the usual bevy of um, era-specific treasures. So make sure you grab hold of that as soon as you can. Um, Best place to find out any news about Motorhead, all things Motorhead, all you need to do is go to imotorhead.com and you can find everything there. Also, um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, then please do subscribe wherever you're listening. You will be able to see somewhere a button that says subscribe. Go ahead and press it. That's all you need to do. And a brand new episode of the Motorcast will be in your device every other Tuesday. Every fortnight, a brand new episode, more friends of Lemmys and the Bands to listen to and great stories to hear, and today is no different. Today, long-time friend and fellow musician Gaz Wild is our guest. Now, Gaz predates Motorhead. He knew Lemmy um, before Motorhead came into existence, and he's got quite the stories to tell. So, why wait around any longer? Let's get into that interview with Gaz Wild. Hello. Hello there. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, man. Well, look, let's steam straight into it, as always, as I ask everybody. Do you know what? I was going to say I always start with, you know, how did you first discover Motorhead? But it, it that wasn't the case for you, was it? Because really you and Lemmy were friends before the existence of Motorhead. I, I got to meet Lemmy through my old, uh, who, who used to be my best friend, Pete Farnden from The Pretenders. And uh, he was living in London. I'd been living in Amsterdam, and I went to Hereford for the weekend, where we're from. And uh, I ran into him, and he said he was in uh, living in London, and like I was welcome to stay if ever I was if I visited. So about a month later, uh, fate brought me back to London, and uh, so I was crashing at this place. And he was selling hash, right? and he was getting it off Lemmy. And uh, that's how I first met Lemmy. And then, uh, coincidentally, like uh, a week or so later, I ran into a girl from Hereford who was living uh, in London, and she was dating Dick Mick from Hawkwind. 
So I was crashing there, and, you know, Lemmy was hovering around, but, you know, he wasn't in the band yet. And then the next thing I know, he's joined Hawkwind. And uh, so I'd see him around, and, and, say, and we'd say hi, but fast forward to 76, and uh, my band and his band, Motorhead, are rehearsing in the same studio. And one night, Lemmy didn't, uh, our bass player didn't show up. And Lemmy was hanging around. He said, oh, I'll get my bass and sit in. So uh, I got to drum with him. And now after that, he had a whole different opinion of me. He gave me his phone number and uh, we became friends. And we, we were friends up until he died. Wow. Wow. So really, <laughs> um, it all blossomed from that, from, from your, that bass player not turning up. You must be kind of quite glad that happened now. Yeah, because it, it was, and it was great playing with him, and we really clicked. I was a drummer then, right? I, I, I sing, and I still keep my hand in on drums, but I sing and play guitar, rhythm guitar, in my band. And uh, But, you know, we clicked as a rhythm section, and he, in fact, I got married uh, in, in 76, and he, he came to the wedding, and well, to the party, and... Uh, a couple of months later, I married a Brazilian, and her parents weren't at the wedding. They were in Brazil, and they sent tickets for us to go and visit. And the day before we're going, Lemmy and Phil had had a falling out. Phil had had a falling out. And he's saying, uh, sell your ticket to somebody on standby. Uh, I'm not exactly offering you the job, but uh, sell your ticket on standby. And, you know, I could not go, you know, having... Uh, got married and all that but sure enough yeah. seven months later i got back and uh, the first people i saw in the pub were lemmy and filthy so i wasn't meant to be in the drummer in motorhead <laughs> i and and uh, i think that would have been quite a short marriage should you have uh, taken him up on the offer <laughs> yeah right <laughs> not amused from brazil <laughs> yeah yeah and that and i mean that's one of many famous fallouts within the band because they did uh, they did they did like a they did like uh, occasionally a punch up as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. So, um, did you ever get to sort of you know support Motorhead or anything like that um, over the years? Yeah, the first the first time was with the uh, the Lemmy, Filthy, and Eddie lineup at uh, oh, Leeds wow. Queens Hall. Leeds in, Queens in Hall. Leeds Queens Hall. Yeah. I I know it very very well. An absolutely horrendous building. Yep. <laughs> when we arrived there, Lemmy said, I mean, their, their, their uh, equipment truck drove in right up to the stage <laughs> to unload the gear. And we walked in and Lemmy came over to me and said, have you ever played in a bus station before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's spot on. And uh, so it was us, Tank, Trust and Motorhead. And we were a hard rock band called Lightning Raiders. And... Uh, I don't know, the crowd thought we were punks. We, like, we had a punky edge, but we were like hard rock and roll. And uh, I was I was the lead singer, and I was getting spat on big time, you know. And uh, I was covered in it. And uh, Lemmy finally got up. I, I could see him. He was sitting at the soundboard. But he finally got up on stage and went, listen, these guys are friends of ours, and we dig them. So you dig them too. And it was all bowing down to God, you know. <laughs> so we didn't get spat on for the last song. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it's funny because um, I mean he did the same for Twisted Sister, and I've heard I've heard this story I've heard this story a few times, and I just think that's you know that that kind of is a, a mark of the man. It kind of sums him up quite well. Oh yeah, for sure, man. He he was a very he really loved rock rock and roll, and uh, 
he was always trying to help people. He, he he was always trying to help me. After that time, I drummed with him. Whenever like he he put my name forward, like he put my name forward to Chrissy, and uh, when she was forming the Pretenders, and I I got the same bass player who'd introduced me to him, Pete Farnden. I got him in the band. You know, I'd been drumming with Chrissy for a month, but then I got Pete in the band, and uh, so and uh, then another band that I made that I ended up making my transition from being a, a drummer to a lead singer was a French band that Lemmy like recommended me to. So he always tried to help me. You know, this is something that is a recurring theme with everybody I talk to is the um, is the is the generosity of the man. You know, he was all he was always trying to do his best for his friend, and once you were his friend. That was it. You were in the inner circle, and he'd do anything he could for you. Yeah, he he was he was a great guy. I loved him, man. And you know, when he uh, died, the day after he died, I broke down crying at home, and uh, I got what I can only say was like a century visitation from him. It was like he I didn't see him, but I felt him in the room, and it was like putting his hand on my shoulder, saying, "It's all right, Gas. I'm okay." And I wrote this song. And I, it's like he was in the room helping me write it. These words started flooding into my head, and my, I grabbed a pen, and it was almost writing itself. Wow! It's called "Rocking Rebel." Have you have you ever had a um, an experience like that before or since? Never. And is uh, it, it, it is you know does that sort of fit in with your beliefs, or was it something that just came out of nowhere? Well, no, I I, I had a. I had a visual uh, visitation from my old roommate and bandmate who died, but this this was the first. That was the first, and this was the second. But this was a century one, and like the fact that I wrote the song, I, I firmly believe his spirit was there, telling me I'm all right. You know. Yeah, I mean, over the years, you must have seen them quite a lot. Oh, I've seen living... them more than any other band. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And I would imagine in all sorts of bizarre locations and different places. Yeah, I saw them uh, all over England. Well, not all over, but in a few places in England. And then I saw them in LA. I saw them in mainly in New once I've been mainly when they came to New York. But I saw them up in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, LA, and then loads of times in New York. And um, and I was at Hammersmith Odeon when they did the uh, No Sleep for Hammersmith recordings. Oh, you are joking, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that is. I mean, that's 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 got to be uh, that's got to be something that I, I I know there's people listening to this that will be that would give their eye teeth to have to have been there. They must have been some magic nights. Yeah. I went every night. He, you know, he, I always got invited to the shows, and and, and we became good mates. You know, like like after that drumming incident, after I we really clicked with him. You know, he gave me his phone number, and we used to meet in the pub on Port. We both lived in Notting Hill, and uh, we used to go to this pub at lunchtime. Back then, you know, the pubs would close at open at lunchtime and then close at three and then open again. So we'd go to the pub at lunchtime, and we'd walk back to his place afterwards and play records and party you know etc it was uh that's how i got to know him you know yeah and 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 those those kind of more simple times i mean when you look back on them there must be a kind of sense of almost sort of a sort of surrealism that you know what what went on to be 
actually happened because because you'd known the man since before he was even in a band. Yeah, I always you know I always liked his bass playing. I thought he was great, and and you know when he I was really sorry when he got fired from Auckland, and then then he got the first. I didn't see the first incarnation with Larry and Lucas of Motorhead, but you know I, I was really happy that he got a new band together. You know, and did you and, and did you have any? On. Yeah, and did you have any idea that it, that you know Motorhead would become what it became? Yeah, I didn't think. I mean, I think they should have been bigger than what they are. They're they're huge. I mean, Lem is the people's rock star, and and he's got thousands, millions of adoring fans, and that, and he he well deserves it. But I think they should have uh, they should have been bigger than what they are, and they deserve to be in a rock and roll hall of fame, whether they will be or not. You know, don't hold your breath because I, don't, you know. But anyway, he, he I, I I was surprised that that he did so well. He, you know, even though he wasn't like financially successful, he was successful. He he's as I said, the people's rock star. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, here we are, x amount of years later, doing it. You know, do, doing a podcast about uh, about him and the and, and the band he created. I mean, and they were consistently amazing. Every time I saw them, they were just like because they were road dogs. You know, they toured, and but they were consistently on fire every time. And consistently, probably the loudest band you saw as well. What? <laughs> 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 but it was good noise you know what i mean it, it didn't sort of hurt oh yeah oh uh, yeah no definitely definitely and what was what was lemmy like to to play with as a bass player when you when you know when you got chance to um to jam with him how did that feel it felt really powerful you know like i don't like i'm um we had a, a bo diddley like a manic bo diddley beat song that sticks in my mind that him and I sounded amazing together. You know, I mean, we definitely clicked, and that's why we became friends. And he try always tried to help me because uh, I was a kindred spirit, I believe. You know, I think it's that that connection on a deeper level that when you play music with somebody, that there, there is definitely some intangible thing that it's a connection that is is undescribable. Hence, I'm doing such a bad job of it. Right, and he was he was like, and our relationship, he was like a big brother, you know, but we didn't have the sibling rivalry that brothers have, but he was he was definitely like a an elder brother, that's how it, our relationship was, you know, he looked out for me. Yeah, and, and I, what a great person to have looking out for you as well, especially if you're in the music industry, because there's a man who knew exactly what he wanted to get out of it, and... And by the sounds of it, helped a lot of other people as well. Yeah, he he was definitely like a. I think them is a one-off. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there is still so much love out there for the man, and it's well deserved because yeah, I mean, you reap what you sow, and and he he was like for real, you know. Yeah. Called the spade a spade. Yeah, he was authentic. He was, you know, people get called people get called legends all the time now. It's a word that gets thrown thrown around a lot. But when you're talking about Lemmy, that is he's worthy of it. Yeah, I I agree. I think they should have been bigger. But having said that, the the um, the legacy is well and truly intact. Oh yeah, definitely. 
You know, I'm sure there's like uh, kids and maybe grandkids of Motorhead fans that are into them, you know. There's people discovering Motorhead every day. Just to um, just to recap on the old um, uh, the Hammersmith shows, because I'm re- I'm really I'm really keen to uh, to know what they were like because I'm presumably, you know, they were sold out. They were they were packed, but probably with the heaviest band to have ever played there at that point. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 nobody else had played that. No, yeah, they were for sure. And I mean, I, because I, I, that's still, you know, those in those days, you'd have still had, you know, your various sort of, not sort of, well, not the security that you see at shows now, but it would have been more sort of, sort of usher style and things like that. And I, I you know, it, yeah. it, it, it just kind of amuses me at the thought of all of a sudden, all, all of these people rock up to see this really loud, dirty band for a couple of nights. The staff must have been in shock. <laughs> yeah, you're up. It was, it was. Unforgettable. It was just a, a great, great night, you know, full of people, you know, loads of friends there, and yeah, you know, the gang, <laughs> the gang was all there. And uh, and over the over the years, did you um, presumably, you, you know, you went to see a lot of shows, and um, a lot of people have said that you know, often you would see Lemmy backstage, just sort of you know, quietly reading a book or uh, or, or something like that. What, what were your experiences? Oh yeah, he um, he liked to read a book, and you know we'd go and we'd have a chat, or, or sometimes so we'd I'd just hang out and he'd read and I'd read and like drink Jack or whatever he was drinking at the time. It used to be Jim Beam and then it turned to Jack. No, before it used to be vodka and then it went to Jim Beam and then it was uh, Jack. Uh, do you remember the last time that you got to meet up? The last time was at Hartford. I think it was in uh, 2012, Hartford, Connecticut, when they played with uh, Slayer and Slayer and oh, who else? Um, Slipknot. Yeah. All, 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 um, all of these bands that that Moat had influenced that Lemmy couldn't really understand how they'd influenced, but was glad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't get. I mean, they're not my cup of tea at all. But uh, but Motorhead were great. They did a great set. Yeah, that was the last time I, I spoke to him um, just after Filthy died, and uh, that was the last time because he died not long after Filthy. Yeah, was that just a catch up, or were you just were you just kind of ringing to pass on your condolences? Well, yeah, I was ringing to pass on my condolences. Well, I kept both. You know, I was ringing up to say hi, but primarily to sort of give him give him my condolences. And uh, and how did he seem to you? He seemed upset about it. Yeah, as you could imagine. Did you sort of venture into talking about you know what what they were up to at the time and how he was? Well, I wasn't aware that he was sort of really sick then. I mean, I knew he wasn't that he wasn't he wasn't looking too well, but I didn't realise how sick he was. So it wasn't until he started cancelling tour dates and that that I got that I realised there was something more serious and he started looking more ill you know yeah it's still very sad to talk about now and I would imagine that there is there are still times and as with whenever you lose anyone close where something happens and you think oh you know it would have been great if he'd seen that or if he was around and I could tell him that yeah 
I think of him every day. At least once a day, you know, I think about Lem, you know. I do miss him. I mean, it's not like we saw each other every day. I'm in New York and he was in L.A., but, you know, I do miss him very much. And he was, I mean, he was, you know, not just a friend, but he was such a big influence on you, on your life. Yeah, definitely. In fact, around that time when we got friendly, we, we went back, uh, I, actually, I think it was that night we played. We went back uh, to his place afterwards in the wee wee hour. Well, yeah, the sun was up. We went went back to his place. He was living in Battersea at the time. And I, I cooked uh, scrambled eggs for breakfast. And uh, he pulled me aside and told me that, the guy I was playing with was holding me back. And uh, and he was absolutely right, because as soon as I stopped playing with him, my my, my musical career took off. I mean, not, not that I've become famous or anything, but I just started, uh, things started happening for me once I moved away. And he was absolutely right about that, you know. It's amazing because he, he he seems to have such a such perception. It's almost like almost kind of like a sort of musical guru. I've heard stories like like that a lot. A man of few words, but when he spoke, you listened. Exactly. You know, like it's, some people try to say things like that, but to cause trouble. You know what I mean? But he said it for a reason, and it, and it was the truth. You know, and I respect him for that. Well, I, I think it's about what we were saying earlier about him being so, you know, authentic and genuine. You know that there was no there was no personal agenda there. He was looking out for you, and that was it. Yeah, he realised he spotted my talent, and he and he, he realised that I wasn't uh, I was going to go nowhere where with that situation, and, and he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I presume that he must have been involved in some way in you guys playing. I, I think as Reading as well, or you or you open for girls' school. Uh, yeah, we played at Reading. Uh, well, well, he was a fan of ours, and our manager was friendly with him as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether he was in, directly involved in that, but uh, he could have been. But then we played, we also played with them when they had Robbo. The last gig I, I played with them was the last Lightning Raiders gig, and it was at uh, Hackney Speedway, Heavy Metal Ghosts of the Dogs in 82. <laughs> and that was with, uh, they had Robbo on guitar, and, uh, and it was with Saxon and uh, a few other bands. It was a heavy metal. It was a Hell's Angels benefit thing. Oh, that must that must have been some occasion. <laughs> yeah, it was. The sound was. It was weird. The sound was bouncing all over the place. But it was a great day, you know. I I remember Lemmy and a Hell's Angel and I demolishing a large bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm presuming that was pre-show. No, after show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you don't get nights like that. You don't get days like that anymore. I mean, that's that's incredible. Heavy metal goes to the dogs. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. Hackney Speedway, the dog track. <laughs> it's long gone now, but um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they never had anything like that there um, before or since. Yeah, I <laughs> so over the years, did I you? Can't ever... even remember how I got there <laughs> or uh, where it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the only time I ever went into that part of London. <laughs> How did you end up in the States? Did Lemmy have a hand in that at all? No, uh, it was, uh, I was, I met Jojo Lane. I had a band called the Manish Boys and I met Jojo Lane, who used to be married to Denny Lane. And uh, we fell in love, lust, whatever. And uh, 
I came over to visit her a few times. She was living in Boston. So I came over to visit her a couple of times. This is in 86. And I just really liked it. And I visited New York and I, I just really liked America. And so I persuaded the band to come on over. And uh, so they did. But then uh, we ended up, we did some gigs, and, but it broke up and I stayed and I've been here ever since. Did you ever get out to L.A.? Yeah, and when, when, when I went to L.A., I actually moved there in 88, at the end of 88. I think it was in November. I was there for seven weeks. And I'd kind of moved. But Lemmy, it was before Lemmy had moved there. and, and I was staying with uh, Frank Kennington, who used to manage Motorhead back in the day. So I was staying with him. And, uh, but Lemmy hadn't moved there yet. And uh, a couple of other friends of mine were on tour. And like, let me, uh, L.A. didn't really grab me by the balls, you know. It was, it was all right, but it, I felt kind of homesick, not for England, for the East Coast. It was a weird feeling, you know, because I'd traveled halfway around the world before I came here, and I, I'd never felt like that before. It was a weird feeling. So I, I never visited Lemmy at his place in uh, on Herat Street. A, a legendary spot. The rainbow, right? <laughs> yeah. Of all the times that you must have seen them, are there any that sticks in your mind about seeing them live on a, on occasions more than anything else? Well, the, the time we played with them at Leeds Queen's Hall, they, they had the bomber, which was amazing, you know. Which was great, sort of, uh, being close up. Well, it, was on the, it wasn't working, but it was on the stage when we were playing, you know. It was great. That was fun. And I think that the, 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 they just got better and better and better. And Every time I saw them, they, they were just... They were consistently good, but they just seemed to just get better and better and better. And amazing. You know, I never, I've never seen them do a bad gig. I mean, I've heard that from quite a few people. And funnily enough, the bomber seems to have played a real part in kind of the development of Motorhead. And I, I, I can't kind of wrap my head around why. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's a status yeah. thing, or but a lot of people have said, "Oh, and then you know when they got the bomber, or then they had the bomb," and it seemed to be a, a, it signifies a moment in their career where things just seem to change. Would you say? Yeah, it, it, it did. I mean, now you look at the landscape of of live performances and you think, "Oh, yeah, that you know that makes sense." But back then, it was pretty groundbreaking. Back then, it was it was something kind of new, and I mean, okay, the Stones were putting on great shows and that, but. On that kind of level, the bomber was amazing, you know, it, it was really something else. Yeah, it seemed to signify, look, this is a serious band. You yeah, know, it was, we mean it, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, we, we mean it, and, and, here, and here's our, you know, here's our massive fucking lighting rig to prove it. It was amazing. Did you ever see them with the bomber? Oh, I, I, I would love to have, mate. I'd lo and there's people listening to this that are so, so jealous, and I'm one of them. It was spectacular. I mean, it really was. They went straight in at number one with a live album. <laughs> and I, I think that says everything about their about their, their appeal. You know, as you were saying earlier, about they, they should have been bigger. But maybe their place was always to just be the biggest underground, loudest rock and roll band there ever was. And they definitely achieved that. Without a doubt. Do you think Lemmy would be um, would be happy with the legacy, looking back at it all, you know, he's, if, he's, if he's looking down now, saying, do you know what? Oh, of course. You know, he, yes, I, I'm sure he would be, you know. He, he cared about the bands, you know, and 
he gave it his all, and I'm sure he's proud of what he did. You know, he, he should be. Absolutely. And by the sounds of it, you're um, proud to have to have known him and called him a friend. I am. I really am. You know. You know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, people think you're full of shit when you say these stories about it. You know, and I'm in a book called Lost Rockers about, and they interviewed him for it, and uh, he said that. Uh, that I really came into my own when I became a lead singer with the Lightning Raiders, you know. And he used to come to gigs and sit and watch, you know, and I always come backstage and give me uh, credit afterwards, you know, critique. He definitely uh, believed in me and tried and tried to help me. Like a sort of uh, musical godfather. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That's what, that's what everybody needs. Every musician needs one. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Oh, it's been a joy chatting to you, Gus. It, it, it really has, and um, I appreciate. I really well, do. Thanks a lot, Howard. And you know, and I wish you the best uh, with the acid rain, man. That's great. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much, and 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 also, um, you must thank Tyler as well for 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 reaching out and and making all of this happen. Yeah, I know. He, he in fact, I met Tyler that day when we went to uh, the, the the gig in Hartford. That's when I met Tyler. He, uh, I went with his father to the gig, who's a good friend of mine, and Tyler was there, and, and we got him back to meet Lemmy. And, like, that made his, made his, uh, his life, I think. He was so happy. You know? <laughs> so, uh, I bet you've done that a few times, haven't you? <laughs> you know, just, just yeah. oh, would you, would, would you like to come back and meet him? I can just imagine the look on people's faces. Yeah. After that show, we drove up from Hartford up to Maine, and then we drove back to New York. I mean, and I told him, "You can be my driver anytime." <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, well, look, thanks, thanks a lot again, Gas. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really appreciate it, mate. And um, you look after yourself. You too, and I'll, I'll stay in touch. Okay. Yeah, please do, mate. Please do. All right, mate. Cheers. Take care. You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Well, I always say it, and I always mean it. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. It was really, really good to catch up with Gaz. And um, I'm just loving doing these episodes, and this was no different. Um, hearing all of those stories, finding out a little bit more about, you know, the history of the band and the history of, and the history of Lemmy. Um, and just constant reminders that, you know, the man was really was the legend that we all thought, you know, for those of us who never got to meet him. Um, it's, it's just great getting to hang out with these guys and, and hear all about what it was like and what those times were like because they were magical, without a doubt. And I'm really enjoying doing these podcasts and, and bringing you these unheard stories. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. It's a real privilege. And, um, you know, look, there's plenty more to come plenty more to keep you interested and there is a new one every two weeks so make sure you subscribe and please do let someone know that you think would enjoy the podcast a motorhead fan or just a you know just a music historian let them know share the podcast with them and tell them to start at the beginning so um that's it for another episode really looking forward to doing the next one everyone look after yourselves and i'll catch you next time on another episode of the motorcast i don't say agreed the only god i need is the ace of spades the ace of spades